Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And greetings, my friends. Welcome to yet another episode of Everyday Truth. We are in Revelation chapter 3, just starting on the church of Sardis. And we've learned already that this church was known as a dead church. I probably shouldn't even say it that way because to the outside world, and even to some of those church members, they appeared to have all of the features of life. But when it came down to the assessment of Jesus, uh, Jesus said, uh, you're dead and you don't even know you're dead. And so let's strengthen the things that remain. Let's work on your in spiritual ICU. Remember, we talked about that last episode. So here we are in Revelation chapter three and verse two. Let's just finish up the last part of that where the Lord said to this church, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. He found works, he found them to be busy, but he didn't find the works to have a quality of commendation. Why? Probably because their motivation was wrong. A busyness is not necessarily godliness. And just because someone has a gift, like the church at Corinth, doesn't necessarily mean that they're godly. Look at verse number three of our text. Here's the advice uh, that the Lord gives. That sounds a little bit weak to just to say advice, but you know what I'm saying, that the Lord gives to this church. Look at verse three. Remember, therefore, how, that's an important word. We'll come back to it. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. So often when Jesus would recapture somebody for ministry or for service, whether it, it, it is Jesus himself speaking, as in this situation where Jesus is actually dictating this to John, or whether it just be the word of God in general. Uh, for instance, uh, the books of Second Peter or the book of Second Timothy, where that theme of remember, remember, remember that... Uh, Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God which is in thee uh, by way of remembrance. Uh, Timothy, let me bring your mind's eye back to a time and place when God was alive and well in your life, when he was working. Get back there. Uh, get back in your memory to those spots, those places where God captured you and you did what you did because of your love for him and your concern for the will of God. So that's what Jesus is saying to this church. Remember how, I love that word, remember how thou hast received and heard. It's not just enough to receive the word of God, to hear the teachings of the word of God, but how do we receive it? I think that's a big part of the parable of the soil, uh, of the sower, that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 13. The soil is the heart of man, but the productiveness of the seed, the word of God, depends upon how that seed is received by the soil. If I have a hard heart, that seed's not going to grow. If I have a clouded life by other priorities, the cares of this world, that seed is not going to grow. Uh, so 
the way that you receive the Word of God is absolutely imperative. I wonder today, how do you receive the Word of God? Do you receive it as the church at Thessalonica did? Uh, the Apostle Paul specifically spoke about the way by which the church at Thessalonica received the Word of God. Remember, they received it not as the Word of men. You'll find that in chapter number two of that book, but as it is indeed the Word of God. You know, that takes a little bit of mental preparation as we come, for instance, to a podcast like this, or maybe you're listening on the radio, or maybe you're just watching on social media, or perhaps you're thinking back to the Sunday morning message at your own church, or the midweek Bible study, or your own perusal of God's Word on a daily basis. All of it's important. But when the Word of God is taught to you, when the Word of God is preached, do you see it for what it is, or is it just another service, another podcast, another day, another check on my checklist? No, we need to learn to value the Word of God, how we receive it. We ought to receive it in a spirit of humility. We ought to receive it in a spirit of expectancy, even a sense of urgency. I like what the psalmist said, Open thou mine eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And think about that. Lord, unless you show me, I'm not going to understand. So, Lord, I need your help. That's a spirit of humility. Show me the wonderful things in your book. And so even before the psalmist had learned what he was praying for, he said, I know it's going to be wondrous. I know it's going to be marvelous. It's the way we receive. Do you receive the Word of God with a predisposition to obey the Word of God? The Bible teaches that's the way we're supposed to listen. We're supposed to listen with a readiness to obey. I think sometimes we, we view the Word of God differently. We look at the Word of God like it's a take-it-or-leave-it proposition. Like, I want to learn, I want to assess, and then the parts of the Word of God that I kind of like, I'm going to obey, but the other parts, uh, not so much. And that's just not our prerogative as Bible-believing Christians. The how of receiving and hearing the Word of God is absolutely imperative. Remember when you were a new believer? Remember how you just couldn't get enough of the Word of God? You just couldn't wait to, you wanted to see your life change. It's kind of like a little child who loves to be measured. He loves to put his head up against the, the door jam and see how tall he is and how much he's progressed. In, in. If, if, you're, if you're not wanting to grow, if you're not wanting to be measured, perhaps you've stopped growing. And what the Lord does with the church at Sardis is he points them back to those early days when they had an insatiable desire to learn God's word, to know the Bible, to grow in Christ. Remember that is what he says. And then it says in verse number three, uh, remember that and repent. Get back there in your mind's eye. Behave that way again. If therefore thou shalt not watch, so he's asking for increased vigilance. You know, look, look, about, look at your life. Assess it. Look at the dangers that surround you. Remember we talked about how uh, the city of Sardis had made this mistake a couple times in her history. So now, spiritually, watch, the Bible says. And uh, if you don't, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. And so God's judgment sometimes to the unsuspecting comes 
like a thief. Or the coming of Christ. Remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The metaphor that the Lord uses there is the same one. That like a thief, that uh, an unwary person might not be suspecting, might not have the doors locked, might not have the windows locked, uh, might not have the alarm system set. And that thief comes in and has his way. So in a positive sense, we ought to be watching and waiting and looking and, and anticipating the coming of the Lord and live in such a way. Look at verse number four. Thou hast a few names. Now, I love this because this is an encouragement to the few that are faithful in that church. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Isn't it interesting that even though the Lord is issuing a corporate condemnation of the church, he's careful to point out, yeah, but this one and that one, I know their names, have been faithful to me. And they will enjoy fellowship with me. They will walk with me in robes of white. And so when we think about robes of white, we think about, uh, two things. First of all, you think about your justification. So when you trusted Jesus Christ uh, as your Savior, you were robed in the garments of Christ's righteousness, uh, the impeachable uh, white garment uh, of righteousness given to you as a gift, the gift righteousness that God gave to you when you put faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But there's a practical sense in which the righteousness of Christ becomes mine in experience day by day. We call that sanctification. And so while I might have a positional robe of righteousness, and that's white, uh, that's the way God views me in my identity, I wonder in a practical sense, am I, am I living in the righteousness of Christ? Am I growing in Christ? Am I practicing daily practical righteousness in my life as I allow the Holy Spirit of God to use the Word of God to make me day by day in my life, in my practice, in my priorities, in my schedule to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Look at verse number five. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. So ultimately, uh, salvation is depicted by the robes of righteousness. And the Bible says, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So what in the world does that mean? You know, I thought that as Bible-believing Christians, we believe that once you are saved, you're always saved. So what's this issue here where the Bible says that if, uh, we, our name can be potentially blotted out of the book of life. Does that mean that God not only has a divine pen by which he writes down the names of all the saved, but also like a big old eraser uh, by which he erases names? And, and if he does erase names, then how many sins does it take for my name to be erased? And what does this all mean? Well, I will confess that this has caused concern on the, on the part of many as they've read this verse. But I want you to understand that the Bible makes it clear that the, the book of life uh, is, is not only a record of all of those who have trusted Christ as Savior, but it also is a record of all of those that have lived, not just physical, not just spiritual life, I should say, eternal life, but physical life. 
For instance, you'll read about in Genesis chapter 5, the book of Adam. As opposed to Matthew chapter 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. So God keeps track of the physical and the spiritual, uh, the temporal and the eternal. Uh, the psalmist said, I think it's Psalm one, I think it's Psalm 69, I'll, I'll, I'll have to check that, but somewhere in there, that, uh, that there's kind of like a double check system with the Lord. Let me, be, let me not be blotted out of the book of, of the living. Let me be written with the righteous. So it seems as if God kind of has a double check system. You know, back in Bible days, every city had a registry. And every name of every person that was uh, in that city was placed in that registry. And then as people died, their names were stricken from the registry. So I wonder if as God has created man, if not every single human being who has ever lived is in the book of the living. And as their soul is doomed, as they've finally rejected Christ, then they're, they're no longer part of the book of the living in that sense because they're going to experience the second death, eternal death. And so could it be that God has a double check system where one book is empty and then is filled with the names of those that have trusted Christ? One book is full of every name. And those names are deleted as people ultimately and finally reject Christ. I'm not sure that I have all the answers, but I do know this. Uh, Jesus Christ is willing to save all those that come to him by faith. And that might be you today. And once a person is saved, the Bible says he is sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise. Never to fear uh, losing that salvation, but always to know that God that began that good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I hope that helps today. Uh, we're going to jump into a brand new church tomorrow and learn a little bit more about uh, that church, but really about us, uh, our lives, our churches, how we can live better for Jesus Christ. I hope that helps. God bless you, my friends. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.